This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. How are you doing in being the men and women of God that God has created you to be? How are you doing in your relationship with God? How are you doing in your business? How are you doing in developing your gifts and talents and the calling and the assignment that God has upon your life? You know, if you've been in this for any amount of time, you realize just like there's no church that is equal, there's, there's different levels of Christianity or there's different maturity levels, maybe one way of saying it. Have you noticed that? That, that uh, just because a person's saved and they're in the kingdom of God, they might not be at the same place a person is over here, that they're hungry and they're passionate and they're thirsty for the things of God, that there's, there's a difference. Have you sensed that before? Well, you just know there, there's a difference. And I want each and every one of us to be difference makers. I, I want each and every one of us to not just play church, that we don't just come right inside the borders of Christianity and see how close we can stay to the world. And when I say the world, living like the world, watching what the world watches, thinking like the world, acting like the world, living like the world. And you see that in churches all around the world that, yes, they're saved, but they're barely just inside the border of Christianity. And you can't tell the difference between them and somebody who really doesn't know God. That God wants us to grow and to keep growing, that we get so far beyond the borders of Christianity that we have to work at pulling up what it was like back then now you never want to lose sight of where you come from but you don't want to be who you was we want to keep growing and advancing and then in the season that we're in as the body of Christ this is the time of demonstrations and manifestations and visitations and divine inspiration that comes directly from our heavenly father it is the time of advancement say that with me advancement are you advancing in your relationship with the Lord Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm just going to start in verse 13. Once again, we're talking about the spirit of faith today. Chapter 4, verse 13, and it says, Since we have the same spirit of faith, say the spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believed Therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore speak. I want to read it again. And since we have, we have, not we're going to get, we have. Say, we have. have. The spirit of faith according to what is written. Now notice that according to always means the set standard. Okay, engage with me. We're fixing to get rolling, okay? According, According to always means the set standard. In other words... According to, I have the spirit of faith according to what is written. So that lets me know that my level of faith is going to be according to what is written. What is written where? In the word of God. So faith is always connected to the word of God. Once again, we're asking ourselves, how am I doing? Am I advancing? Am I progressing? Because what's the difference between a person who just knows the principles of faith or the person who just comes to faith in Faith Christian Center or a person that just has heard about faith or a person that is living faith, they're thinking faith, they're believing faith, they're speaking faith, they're acting faith. There's something different. Say there's something different. Remember Joshua and Caleb? The Bible says that Caleb had a different spirit about him. There's a different spirit. What is that? It's the spirit of faith. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Paul says that, you know, I'm crucified now and it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And now I live by the faith of the Son of God. Romans chapter 12 verse 3, it says that whenever we're born again, we are dealt the measure of of faith. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38 says that the just shall live by faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace are we saved through through faith. So we come into the kingdom of God by faith. We're dealt the measure of God. We have the faith, a measure, a portion of the faith of God. He says now live by faith. How does faith come? Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Faith comes It comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the Word of God. By the Word of God. It's attached to the Word of God. Now he says here, I have the spirit of faith according to, according to the set standard, what is written. What am I hearing? What is written is going to determine the level of faith that I walk in. 
Are you with me? So what's the difference? Because a lot of times people can teach faith or they can hear faith like they hear marriage or they can hear the principles of faith like they hear tithing or they could hear the principles of faith like they hear leadership or they could hear the principles of faith and then they don't listen to faith any longer. But in the Bible it says that as children of God we come into the kingdom by faith and he says we live by faith and Hebrews eleven six says it's impossible, impossible to please God without faith. So if it's impossible to please God without faith and I'm supposed to live by it then I need to know how to operate in it how to maintain it, how to think it, how to believe it, how to speak it and Paul says that I have the same spirit of faith, the spirit of faith is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of faith is the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of faith is the Spirit of Almighty God on the inside of you. The Spirit of faith is the faith. Uh, Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 it says the people that know their God They'll be strong and they'll do great exploits. The spirit of faith thinks different, speaks different, acts different, lives different, behaves different. There's a different spirit about you and God wants that spirit of faith in you to rise up. But that spirit of faith has to be developed. That spirit of faith has to be maintained. That spirit of faith has to be watched over. You have the spirit of faith. Say, I have the spirit of faith. Now, every born again child of God has the spirit of faith in them, but maybe it's not developed. But it's the spirit of faith, not just the principles of faith. It's the spirit of faith that keeps us advancing, that keeps us progressing, that keeps us possessing what God has called and created us to walk in, to obtain, lay hold of what Jesus died to give us. What we celebrated last week, he released the spirit of faith in the body of Christ for us to rise up and to take our place and to walk in our dominion and to walk in our authority and to fulfill every dream and every purpose and every passion, every assignment that God has placed on the inside of you. He did not die so we could just come to church and be religious and call ourselves a Baptist and a Methodist and a cowboy and a biker and all the denominations that are out there in this world. It is so we as his children rise up and we take our place. And we fulfill what God has placed us on this earth to do. Say, I have the spirit of faith. Now go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. You know, you know, think with me because you can see... Have you ever been to like a pep rally or you can see somebody that has team spirit? Uh, and man, they're just they're roused up. I mean, they'll, they'll be clapping. Come on, Johnny. Come on, Johnny. And they'll write stuff on their belly and they'll hold up cue cards. And they'll wear the cheese heads on their, che- on their head, you know, and the, the foamy finger. And whoa! And they can tell you about the coach. And they can tell you about the player. And this player, he ran this many yards and he did this. And he was out for this because that injury here. And he did this and he kicked this and he squatted this. And oh my God, woo! And we say, man, that person has team spirit. But what about the spirit of faith? That they know that Jesus did this and Jesus did that and he died for this and he died for that and he redeemed us from this and he redeemed us from that and he redeemed us to this and he redeemed us to that. And you're familiar with the team captain. The captain of your salvation who is Jesus. I have the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith is different than a person that just knows about faith. The spirit of faith is different than just a person who goes to church. The spirit of faith is different Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through the week and not just different at church. The spirit of faith has a different spirit about them and they're determined and they are focused and they are passionate and they're not going to let no devil in hell and no religious demon or no obstacle stop them from being who God has called and created them to be. There's a different spirit about you, church. There's a different spirit about you, church. You have the spirit of faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Very familiar scripture. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Pause. God has not given us a spirit of fear. If God hasn't given it to us, I don't want it. God has not given me a spirit of fear. God, God has not. Has not. God has not. Has not. So, so how are you doing there? When the doctor report comes in and you have the opportunity, it doesn't say you're not going to have the opportunity to feel afraid. 365 times throughout the Bible it says, fear not, don't be afraid, don't, don't fear this, don't fear that. Letting us know that you're going to have opportunity to be afraid. But Jesus always, uh, he shows up and he always says, fear not. Yeah. 
Why? Because God did not give us a spirit of fear. Spirit of fear, spirit of faith. Opposite, spirit of fear, Satan operates under the spirit of fear, God operates by the spirit of faith. Opposite, spirit of fear, spirit of faith, spirit of fear, spirit of faith. So when you feel fear, you know God has not given me the spirit of fear. That's the spirit of fear knocking on your door, wanting into your life because the devil operates through fear. But that's where you have to open the door and answer it with the spirit of faith. God has not given me a spirit of fear. He has not given me a spirit of fear. He has not given me a spirit of fear about the economy, about my job, about the, what, the, what, what this is doing. He has not given me a spirit of fear about what the doctor has said. He has not given me a spirit of fear about what my family is going through. He has not given me a spirit of fear, but this is what the spirit of faith looks like. But of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. The spirit of faith, components of the spirit of faith are the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. The spirit of faith. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Spirit of fear, but we have the spirit of faith. What does that look like? Components of the spirit of faith. Spirit of faith is the spirit of power. Say power. It's the spirit of love. Say love. It's the spirit of a sound mind. I have the spirit of faith. Therefore, I have the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of a sound mind. Now, this spirit of power, this word power is the word dunamis right here in the Greek. And this word means force. It means specially miraculous power. It means abundance. It means ability. It means violent, mighty work. I have the spirit of power. Power. It's where we get our word dynamite. It's where we get our word dynamo. That whenever the spirit of power is there, it's like dynamite. Think about when they're building these roads and they place dynamite down into the hills and it, boom, it blows up and it rearranges things and it moves things and it blows the hard places out. So why? There can be a new path. And some of you have hard places in your heart that the dynamo, the dynamite power of God wants to blow the hardness out of your heart so he can make a way where he's designed to walk in your life. I have the spirit of power, power, force, ability, abundance. This is the same power that God anointed Jesus with, that Jesus walked in, that Jesus thought through, that Jesus talked in, that Jesus, he operated in the spirit of power, this dunamis power. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it says that the anointing of God, the power of God, it removes burdens... And it destroys, destroys yokes. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it said how God anointed. What does the anointing do? It removes burdens and destroys yokes. What does the anointing do? It removes burdens and destroys yokes. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, with dunamis, with dynamite, with dynamo, with force, with ability, with strength, with violent working power. He anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power who went about, what did he do with his power? He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. The spirit of faith is the spirit of power. Say, I have the spirit of power. I have the spirit of power. Now, in, in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, you can look at this in your own time. Whenever Jesus comes back, he's resurrected from the dead. So during this time, if we roll it back 2,000 years, during this time right now, he's talking. Do you know what Jesus, whenever he came back, you know he didn't teach on, well, I'll just tell you what he did teach on. You know what he taught on for the 40 days he was here? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. How to operate in the kingdom of God. The king's dominion. The king's domain. He didn't preach about being a Baptist, a Methodist, a Pentecostal, a non-denominational. He, he preached about the kingdom. You are a king's kid. He preached about the kingdom, that you have dominion you are designed to walk in. You have uh, an assignment from Almighty God that he wants you to fulfill. And it's going to take power to fulfill it. You know it's going to take power for you to do what God has called and created you to do. It's going to take power to overcome the powers.
powers of darkness. It's going to take power for you to get up whenever you've been knocked down. It's going to take power for you to think right, power for you to speak right, power for you to act right, power for you to worship, power for you to stand your ground, power for you to stand on the truth. It takes power to live in the things of God. And a spirit of faith has the spirit of power. Dynamite, dynamo, dunamis, dunanimous, whatever you want to say it, it is the power, the ability, the efficiency of Almighty God. I've got the power. And Jesus said, don't you leave Jerusalem until you receive this power. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, don't you, don't you leave here until you receive this power that's going to transform your life. And it's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he says, and the reason for this power is that you're going to be a witness. You're going to, it doesn't mean you're going to be a freak. You're going to be a fruit loop. You're going to be a, too, just so spiritually out there that nobody wants to be around you. But you're going to walk around there's going to be a different spirit about you. Because you think different. Because you speak different. Because you act different. Because you are different. You have a different spirit about you. Different spirit. Think with me. There's a, a million plus people that came out of Egypt into the wilderness and two, 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 two people. Two, 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 two got to go into the promised land. Two. That makes me want to kind of sit up and pay attention. What did these two do that was different? How did they think? How did they act? How did they walk? How did they talk? The Bible says he's going in because he has a different spirit. He didn't say he was going in because he ran around the camp shaking his tambourine. He didn't say he was going in because he shouted louder than everybody else. He didn't go in because he prayed in tongues louder than everybody else. He didn't say he was going in because he went to church more than everybody else. He said there was a different spirit about him. Now you're going to be moved by the spirit to do whatever he tells you to do whenever you're in that place of relationship and you're going to have a different spirit. And that different spirit comes from obedience to the Holy Spirit in the first place. It comes from knowing the Father, knowing His Word, knowing the Holy Spirit, being willing to obey the relationships that you surround yourself with. But the spirit of faith is connected to the spirit of power. Say, I have the spirit of faith, and I have the spirit of power. Now, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. When you hear me say these scriptures, please write them down. I want you to go home, and I want you to build your life upon the Word of God, not what some man thinks or some man says. I want you to see it, but I'm just going to refer for time's sake. Now, if I'm going to walk in this power, one of the things that's going to be connected to first, it's going to be a relationship with the Spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit of God reveals. When you get born again, He magnifies Jesus in your life. He shows you where you stand with Jesus. That if you were to die today, He lets you know that you're not in right standing with Jesus because, or with the Father because you haven't accepted Jesus. The only sin that keeps a person out of heaven, it's not drinking, it's not adultery, it's not any of that type of stuff. It's what you do with Jesus. Because if you do the right thing with Jesus, you're not going to want to do the other things. Right? So the Holy Spirit not only helps you, it not only brings you into that place of salvation where you see that I need Jesus in order to be in right standing with the Father, but then it's the Holy Spirit that empowers you to keep walking with Jesus. Are you with me? Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the word of God. For the Word of God is the power of God. It is the power of God. It is the dunamis power of God. It is the dynamite. It is the force. It is the violent working. It is the ability of God. It is the abundance of God. It is the DNA of God. It is the stick of dynamite. You want to change? He says, it is the Word of God. I'm not ashamed of the Word of God, for it is the power of God. The power. The rearranging force, powers, the ability to get results. It is, if I want results, he says, it is attached to the Word of God. It is. I, I'm not ashamed. He says, if you want the power to show up in your life, you can't be ashamed. Now, you weren't ashamed. When you heard the Word of God on salvation, you weren't ashamed of it. You accepted it. You believed it. And what did it produce? It produced eternal salvation. You know that if you were to die right now, you would spend eternity with Almighty God. He's saying, this power isn't designed. Don't, don't reduce it down to just going to heaven. Salvation means wholeness, soundness, provision. It means God's life on earth as it is in heaven. 
So he says, don't, don't reduce it down to just going to heaven. He says, if you want the power of God to work in your life, don't be ashamed when you hear that God wants you blessed. Don't be ashamed when you hear that you have power to trample over snakes, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. He says, don't you be ashamed whenever you realize you're seated in heavenly places far above all principalities, powers, rulers of the might and the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Don't you be ashamed that you've been given power in the name of Jesus and your life is submitted to God and you resist the devil and he has to flee. Don't you be ashamed whenever the Bible says that you can have the infilling of the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues and you can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and you can have discerning the spirit he says don't you be ashamed don't you be ashamed because to the degree of your non-ashamedness if that is even a word it's to the degree you like that didn't you I'm with you on that one that's a degree to the degree of power we walk in because when you get hungry for God you do not care You don't care. You get to the place. Now, now don't get me wrong. For other people's benefit, there's a way to witness. There's a way to be a light. There's a way to agree. I go into all kinds of different churches that don't believe this. And so if I go in there and start teaching this at some churches that I go into, that's the last time I go back. But we can agree on certain things. And so through relationship... We build, and we build, and we build. And I don't even know how many times I've heard this. Pastors, ministers, there's something different about you. What is it? And over time, they begin to believe this. But what if I wouldn't have used wisdom, and I went in there and just blew the doors off the place because of all I know and what I know and all this type of CC. Everything you know isn't for everyone you know. We choose how far we go in our relationship with Jesus. He doesn't tell us everything he knows. It would just... Right? How many times did he tell the disciples, there's so much I have to say to you right now, but you're not, you're not ready. And so your friends and family that you're around, just live it. Live it. Start with just living it. Start living it. And when you live it through relationship, then you can share it. Why do you think like this? Why do I have a young guy that's, well, I won't mention his name anyway, that there's a, a, a guy that's been around us a lot here lately, and he went to four years of seminary, and, and he was telling me the other day, he said, man, he said, they didn't teach me none of this in seminary. <laughs> he says, but I've learned more in the past several months than I did four years of just studying about God, and he's realizing there's a difference in knowing God. I know your pastor isn't in this to play church. He is in this for this church to walk in victory. And God wants us to walk in victory. He says, so don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the word of God. Don't be ashamed that you know what you know. But operate in it. Use wisdom. Be a steward. Be a witness for Almighty God. God always has other people on His mind. So don't be ashamed. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. So I've got the spirit of faith. And I've got the spirit of power. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 15 in the Amplified. It says, Study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God. Approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing, and accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the word of truth. But avoid all empty and vain and useless idle talk, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Study, verse 15, and be eager and to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed. No cause to be ashamed. If you keep studying the heartbeat of God, the word of God, you're not going to be ashamed because you realize there's more than what you're walking in. There's more than what you've been taught. There's more. Why didn't they share this with me earlier? Why didn't they teach me this when I went to Sunday school? Why? Why Why is that? See, what's happening is the spirit of faith begins to rise up on the inside of you. And so it's important to, to, to protect what you hear and to know who you're following and to know what you're connected to. We're not in this to be religious. We have other things we could be doing on Sunday morning. We're in this to win. 
We're in this to walk in all that God has for us. We're in this to fulfill our assignment and destiny. We're in this to know our God and to be the best us that we can be. But it's going to take the spirit of power, the spirit of faith, in order for us to do this. Now, we have the spirit of faith, which the components of the spirit of faith is the spirit of power, but it's also the spirit of love. Say, I have the spirit of love. Now, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 says that faith works by love. So it's like if you had a car, you've probably driven by people's houses or seen a shop where a, a car is up off the blocks and you have the car that represents the faith, but there's no wheels on this car, so the faith can't go anywhere. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Bible says you can give everything that you want to give away. And if you have, don't have love, it's nothing. You can give your body to be burned. And if you don't have love, it's nothing. You can prophesy and you can have knowledge and you can do all this stuff. But if it's without love, what is it, church? It's nothing. And he says faith works by love. So... We have faith. You're a born-again child of God. You live by faith. You have the measure of faith. You have faith on the inside of you, but it says your faith is going to progress and advance by love. So it's like your faith is that car that's on the blocks, but love is the wheels. So if there's no wheels, you might own the car, but the car's going nowhere, so it doesn't do you any good. So it says faith works by love. So the spirit of faith is the spirit of power. The spirit of faith is the spirit of love, love. Love. Loving God and loving people. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. You know, what? You've heard, you've heard this story, this illustration. I'm sure it's been taught here when Jesus, the lawyer comes to Jesus trying to trip him up. He says, what's the greatest in all the commandments? And he says, there's not just one. He says, there's two. He says, the first one is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says, so if you love God and you're in your process of loving people, it says everything that's in the laws, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and all the prophets, it says everything that they prophesied, it's going to come to pass in your life. You're going to walk in the power of it. You're going to walk in the manifestations of it if you love God and you love people. So the spirit of faith is the spirit of power. The spirit of faith is the spirit of love and the spirit of faith. I'm going to kind of speed up just for time purposes here. The spirit of faith is the spirit of a sound mind. A sound mind. In the Amplified it says a calm, well-balanced mind. So a person, once again, we're not talking about just learning about the principles of faith. How can we advance? How can we grow? How can we fulfill that assignment? How can we reach our destiny? How can we be the men and women of God we're created to be? How can we be the leaders? How can we know God more and release every vision and gift and talent and calling on the inside of us? We having the same spirit of faith we believe and therefore we speak. What does a spirit of faith look like? Some of the components... Are the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of a sound mind. A sound mind is a mind that's ruled by the word of God. That you're in the process of whenever something comes up, your first response is what does the word say? What does the word say? Sickness tries to attach itself. The doctor gives you a report. What does the word say? The spirit of faith is according to what the word says. What does the word say when the, the economy does this or it does that or your job does this or it does that? What does the word say? What, what does the word say whenever people leave you and they forsake you? What, what does the word say when you're betrayed? What does the word say whenever you're hurt and offended? What does the word say whenever you feel like you have nobody? What does the word say? A sound mind is a mind that's ruled by the word. Because a sound mind... please. Hear this, produces sound emotions. A sound mind produces sound decision making. A sound mind produces sound believing. Sound believing produces sound expectations. Sound believing expectation produces sound behavior. A sound mind, you're at least in the process of renewing your mind. Renewing your mind to what it was. The, the, the prefix re, follow me here. Re always means to go back. Go back to the original. Whenever Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, go back to what your mind was originally created to do. See, your mind wasn't created to think 
negative. Your mind wasn't created to think on lack. Your mind wasn't created to think on sickness. Your mind wasn't created to think on the curse. So when you renew your mind, you're going back to what it was originally designed to think. And Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, he says it's designed to think on things that are good and lovely and pure and have a good report and honest and holy and just. That's what your mind is created to think on. So when Paul says you get the word of God and you start lining your thinking up with the word of God, you're going back to what it was originally created to think. And it was originally created to think on things that are good and lovely, the things of God, the power of God. Adam didn't have a hard time thinking about dominion and his authority. That's just what he was. But see how the devil is after our thinking? We come to church one hour maybe a week. And we hear some word and it starts renewing, taking our mind back to what it was originally designed to think. And the other six and three quarters day of the week, we're hearing this and we're hearing that. And we're seeing this on TV and we're hearing this on the news. And we're bombarded by this on the radio that you can't. You have no money. You're sick. You're not good looking. You're not beautiful. You're too fat. You're too tall. You're too old. You don't have any hair. You don't have, oh, the economy's doing this. It's, it's doing this. And you have all these images. Why? Because the devil wants your image because you can't rise any higher than the image on the inside of you. And so if you see yourself broke and weak and sick and disgusted and nothing and unworthy, then that's the way you're going to gravitate. See, the inward, your spirit, in, in Hebrew, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23, it says that we need to renew the spirit of our mind. See, the spirit of our mind, psychologists would refer to that as our subconscious. The spirit of our mind, it is the real us. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. So your spirit and soul, when you're renewing your mind, eventually you keep renewing your mind. It goes from just your mind to renewing the spirit of your mind, the real you. Because the real you is on autopilot. You know, like when you're driving and you set it on 70, 75 now. Thank you, Jesus, for the speed limit, right? And you go up a hill and it changes a little bit because you have that autopilot on. You have the cruise control and it's going to come back to 75. You might go down a hill a bit and it might get a little bit fast, but it's going to come back to 75. So no matter where you go to the right or if you go to the left, it's going to come back to 75. See, your, your, the spirit of your mind, the real you, it's going to take you wherever it's set. It might come a little uh, pressure come, but if you're set on I am a winner and I am an overcomer and I am the head and I'm not the tail and I'm above only, you might push you this way a little bit, but it's going to bring you right back to where you're supposed to be. Why? Because you're not only just renewed your mind, now it's in the spirit of your mind. It's set that I do win, I do overcome, I don't care what I face, I'm going to get to the other side in victory. That's what God is talking about when he says, okay, let's go back. Let's go back to what you're originally created to believe and think and speak and act like. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says whenever we ask Jesus to come into our life, that now we are recreated, re-go back to what we're originally created to do. So instead of spending all of our life, well, I'm going to try this for a while. I'm going to try this for a while. I'll try this for a while. Well, that didn't work out so good. How about I'll try this? No, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're re-brought back, recreated to what you originally created to do. So you're reborn. You come back to connection with God. Now you're recreated. You're brought back to what you originally created to do. He says, now renew, bring your mind back to what it's originally created to think. So now you can originally do what you're put on this earth to do. A sound mind. At least in the process of renewing your mind. A sound mind, what, what does the word think? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be vigilant, be sober, be well balanced, sober, be, be sober. So what's the opposite of being sober? Intoxicated. He says, be, be sober. For your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion in fierce hunger, seeking someone he may devour. So, and then it goes on in verse 9, it says, so you, you withstand him. You resist him in what? In faith. In faith. You, you resist him because you have the spirit of faith. 
You have the spirit of power. You have the spirit of love. You have the spirit of a sound mind. A sound mind is a mind that's ruled by the word of God. It says, so be sober. In other words, think like God wants you to think. Because thinking the enemy wants your mind to be intoxicated. God says, be sober. The enemy says, let's get drunk. Now, we, under that, we understand that language, right? We, we, we had a little too much to drink, and I uh, just don't, uh, don't think so well. And so that's a natural example of a spiritual truth that when all we listen to is CNN and all we listen to is what the economy is doing and all we listen to, don't get me wrong, you need to know what's going on, but all you listen to is doubt, fear, and unbelief. And then you get in the spiritual realm and you can see you're not thinking so correctly. Because it's intoxicated your mind. So now, instead of you thinking, what does the word say? You're thinking, oh God, oh God, oh my God, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? That's an intoxicated mind. But he says, be sober. What do we do when we try to sober somebody up? We try to get food in their belly, try to give them coffee. We try to, you know, hang them out the door. What do you got to do to shake them? Try to sober them up, right? Well, how do we do that in the spiritual realm? The word. He says, be well balanced, be sober. Be sober. Be sober. Be sober. Because that enemy of yours is going to try to intoxicate your thinking and get you thinking on what you can't do. Get you thinking on what the doctor says. Get you thinking on all the bad things. Get you thinking on what you, all these things that are coming against you. Going to get you thinking about that. Oh, there's a pain. Oh, mama had that pain. Oh, daddy had that pain. Oh, they died. Oh, oh, oh. And you sit there spending all your time with that intoxicated thinking instead of the, and it's nothing. All you did is had a taco that should have been fixed better. <laughs> but he says, <laughs> but he says, be be well balanced, be sober in your mind. Go back with me to Second Corinthians chapter four. So I'm glad I came today. I'm glad I came too. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. So the spirit of faith is the spirit of power. It's the spirit of love. It's the spirit of a sound mind. Those are some of the components of faith. Now, look at what Paul is, is sharing with us here. We can just start in verse 8. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. And it says, We are hedged in, we're pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way. But not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out. But not driven to despair. We are pursued, persecuted, and hard driven. But not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground. But never struck out and destroyed. And he goes on and he's talking about uh, what's, what's happening. The pressures. Anybody, can, we can relate to what he's saying right here, right? The pressure, the intensity, the, the problems, the obstacles, what, the things that are going on. And he goes on to say in verse 13, yet, yet, even though all this is going on, yet, we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We too believe and therefore speak. And he goes on in verse, I'll just read it, verse 14. Assured that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us up also with Jesus and bring us along with you into his presence. For all these things are taking place for your sake. So that the more grace driven, the more grace, divine favor and spiritual blessing extends to more and more people and multiplies through the many, the more thanksgiving may increase and redound to the glory of God. Pause there for a moment. So he says, all this pressure is going on in my life, all these problems, all these circumstances. He says, yet regardless, I have the same spirit of faith. I believe and therefore I speak. And I realize that what's going on, it might be hard on me, but you know what? I know my God and I know what God is doing on the inside of me. And because I'm going to stay the course and with the spirit of faith, I'm going to have a sound mind. I'm going to have power. I'm going to have love. I'm going to stay the course. He says, what's going to happen is this divine favor, this divine grace that God is extending to me, I'm going to share it with other people. And you know what's going to happen if we could see all across the world? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank 
thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Because people are experiencing the same grace that you experience because you're willing to walk in that spirit of faith, to think in that spirit of faith, to act in that spirit of faith, to keep going after God with all your heart no matter what you face. There's no quit in you. There's no back off in you, church. You have a different spirit about you. And because of the different spirit, you're going to go where others don't go. You're going to think the way others don't think. You're going to talk the way others don't talk. You're going to accomplish what others don't accomplish. Why? Because you have a different spirit. And he says, because of this different spirit, people all over the world are saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He goes on in verse 16, and he says, therefore, therefore, therefore. When you see therefore, you see what it's there for. Therefore. We do not, because I have the spirit of faith and I realize what's going on. Therefore, we do not become discouraged. Utterly spiritless and exhausted and wearied out through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away. Yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day after day. For our light momentary affliction, this slight distress of this passing hour, is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations of vast and descendant glory, a blessedness never to cease. Since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are visible are temporal. Brief and fleeting, but the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. Now notice the spirit of faith here. He says, because of the spirit of faith, and I realize what's going on, he says, I'm not going to get discouraged, and I'm not going to get utterly spiritless and exhausted and weary. I'm in verse 16, through fear, though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day after day. Say, day after day, I'm making progress. Verse 17, it says, for our light momentary affliction. So this is a question I'm wanting us to answer right here. How do I maintain the spirit of faith? How do I protect the spirit of faith? One way, if you're taking notes, please write this down. One way is your approach to problems. How do I maintain that spirit of faith? How do I keep advancing? How do I keep progressing? Because the spirit of faith in the developing process, develop, the word develop means to unfold, to uncover, to discover. So if I'm developing in the spirit of faith, I'm learning about God and I'm learning what is in me and I'm learning about me. And Paul says, this is the way that I approach all this pressure and all this tension. He says, I have the approach that the problems, they're light. They're light. Now this, this is a man in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 28. He starts describing all his light afflictions. He says, in the desert... There were problems. In the rivers, there were problems. In the oceans, there were problems. The religious people, there were problems. I was left for dead. I was stoned five times. I was whooped 39 stripes five different times. I, I, it got so bad in one place, they had to lower me in a basket out the window of the city. He says, and I call these light. So how's your problem? Paul says, this is the approach of the spirit of faith. That no matter what I face, he says, it's light and it's momentary. It's light. In other words, it's going to pass. It didn't come to stay. It's designed to pass. See, every problem, every trial, every circumstance, it has an expiration date on it. And you need to set in your mind, this did not come to stay. It has come to pass. This problem, I'm going to consider it as nothing. Remember Jesus whenever in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, it says that Jesus, for the joy, he despised the shame and ignored the shame. Despise means to count it as little. What he went through, he said, I count it as little because I'm staying focused on the prize. He says the pain, the hurting, the bleeding, the death, all of it. I'm counting it as insignificant. It's nothing. No big deal. No big deal. No big deal. I want you to, to get this in your mouth when problems come up. No, no big deal. No big deal. How do I maintain the spirit of faith? Yes, it's going to be a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's going to be connected to the Word of God. But it's also the spirit of faith approaches problems differently because you realize who's in you. 
you realize who's on your side. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Problems, your approach, how do I maintain the spirit of faith? How do I develop the spirit of faith? My approach to problems, it's light. Hold your place there. Go back to 2 Timothy. Say it's light. Second Timothy. Now we're learning, we're growing, right? Verse 3, 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A lot of times people don't like to talk about trouble. They don't like to talk about problems. But life happens. Jesus said, in this world you will have trials, tribulation, persecution, distress. You will have pressure. And how did Paul Paul approach it? Ah, it's light. No big deal. No big deal. How did Paul approach the problem? No big deal. How are we going to approach the problems, church? No big deal. It's light affliction. Well, what about what the doctor said? No big deal. Why why could he say that? Because he knew he had a purpose. He knew he had an assignment. He knew that God always causes him to triumph in Christ Jesus. He knew that God was working on his behalf. He knew that he wasn't done. And when you can look through the problem to the answer and keep your eyes fixed. Remember the spirit of faith has a calm, well-balanced, sound mind. It's not intoxicated where you're going to the left or you're going to the right. No matter how hard it is, no matter what you face, it's going to stay connected to the promise. Even while you're crying, it's going to connect to the promise. Even while you are physically scared it's going to connect to the promise because that promise will pull you out of the pain that promise will pull you out of that fear into that place of faith that no devil in hell is going to stop you because you're connected to the promise so a calm well-balanced mind that's what we've got that's the spirit of faith that's the spirit of faith and he says okay when problems come this is my response it's light it's no no problem how is your approach to problems because as a child of God our approach to problems should be different number two way to maintain and develop the spirit of faith is stay focused on the vision that God has for your life stay focused on the vision we're getting close to being done so stay with me stay, stay engaged with me here stay focused on the vision stay focused on the vision and I want you to ask yourself this are you are you in the vision that God has called and created you for? Are you, are you operating? See, vision is just a, it's a divine inspiration of God. It's a divine insight to what God has for your life. It's a divine an unveiling of the plan and purpose that God has for your life. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, people perish. They die. There's no life. There's no fulfillment. So in other words, because there's no vision, stay with me. This is very, very important because most people don't know why they're on this planet. And so they go over here trying to bring fulfillment in this. And they try to bring fulfillment in this. And so there's no vision. There's no vision. And they, they die. There's no, there's no life. There's no motivation. The word motivate means to move. What, what moves you? Why do you do what you do? And Paul says, okay, you have the spirit of faith. And whenever problems come up, trials come up, it's, it's no big deal. It's light. You have a different approach to problem, he says. But also, where are you looking? He says, because if you look at the natural things and you look at these things that are temporary and you look at this problem and you look what's holding you back and you look at this circumstance, you look what they're doing and what they're saying and you keep looking at all this type of stuff, it says you're going to stay right where you're at. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus imparts something to us here. Stay focused on the vision that God has for you. And this is a setup coming to to the house of God. In Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12, Jesus said, When you help another man fulfill his vision, that God will give you your own vision. So being a part of God's vision, the house of God, empowers you to fulfill and discover your own vision. Now notice this, verse 22, Matthew 6, 22, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, what are you looking at? Because if you're looking at the answer, if you're looking in the right direction, light is going to come and God is going to show you the way out. But if you're looking at the wrong thing, it says there's going to be darkness. Therefore the answer wants to come, but it can't come because of what you're looking at. 
So stay looking at the vision that God has for your life. The vision that God has for your life. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the healed of the Lord. You are blessed. You are the head. You are. This is who you are. You are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. But then also it goes beyond that. Who are you? Who, who are you? Why, why are you here? Why are you wired the way that you're wired? Why are you gifted the way you're gifted? Something that every single one of us in this room, if you're past the age of probably 12, you've asked, why? Why am I here? What's my purpose? See, through the process of being reborn, you're re created the, the originality see your purpose Proverbs 19 verse 21 it says many are the plans in a man's mind but he says it's the Lord's purpose the Lord's the Lord's the Lord's the Lord's purpose that prevails in other words it's the Lord's purpose for your life that's always talking to you it's the Lord's purpose if you ever get quiet it'll be going still here you know, you're still not fulfilling what you're on this earth to do. Even while you're strung out, even while you're whacked out, it's doing this. Even while you're hurting, even while you're off, and you could be in the middle of the room and have this smile on your face. Ah, bless the Lord, this is so fun. And that purpose is pushing on your heart. Saying, you know you're created for more than this. You know you got more in you than this. You can be in a business meeting. Sitting around a table with all these high influential people and on the inside. And it looks like on the outside you're making this amount of money and you're making this amount of money. But the Spirit of God on the inside of you is saying, there's more than money. There's more than money. Stay focused on your vision. I believe the Lord has me ask you that question just to, even if you don't know, to get you headed down the road of discovering it. It's not too late. Go with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. How do I maintain the spirit of faith? How do I develop in the spirit of faith? My approach to problems. How is your approach to problems and circumstances and pressure and problems and trials? No, no, no big deal. It's light. It's momentary. This too shall pass. How do I maintain it? How do I maintain and develop the spirit of faith? I... I stay focused on the vision. Jesus said, when I stay focused on the right thing, there's going to be light. When I stay focused on the word, there's going to be light. It might not come today. It might not come next week. It might come next month. It might come, but it might come today. But either way, the answer is staying in the word. It's The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If there's no word, there's no light. So you can stay in darkness and moan and groan and, oh, my God, Light, light, light. Turn on the light. Turn on the light. Or, or how about hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit of go here, do this. The other night, because I'm in so many different um, hotel rooms and stuff. The other night, I'm pacing back. Even in our home, our, at our room at the house, and I'm pacing. And it's dark, and, and Heather's like, what are, you, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just trying to find the bathroom. And I'm at my own house. She's like, turn, turn on the light or listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, your helper. That helps light come. Oh, revelation. That's a revelation's a great feeling, right? Well, I won't go there anymore, but light, stay focused, stay focused. Stay focused on the vision that God has for you. John chapter four, Jesus, he had been, they'd been out doing what he was assigned to do, and he gets tired just like we we get tired. He was hungry, he was thirsty, so they prop up at this well. He sends the disciples to get food, and as he's at the well, this woman comes there, and Jesus starts having a dialogue with her and tells her, starts explaining about the well of life and everlasting life, and, and she's gonna try all this type of stuff, and she'll be thirsty for all of her life. But if she'll just drink the water that he has to give her, she'll never thirst again. She says, Well, give me this water. And so he goes on with this dialogue and tells her about the five men that she's lived with and none of them are her husband and goes on to all this type of stuff and the disciples come back and they try to get Jesus to eat and this is where we're going to pick it up. John chapter 4 verse 31. In the meantime his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. 
Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And he goes on to say, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for a harvest. Looking at the vision, Jesus said, My food, what does food do? It gives you nourishments. It gives you nourishment. It gives you energy right here. He says, to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. When you start doing what you're created by God to do, just like meat and food gives you nourishment, that gives you strength, it gives you energy, it gives you the ability to go forward. Spiritually speaking, whenever you're receiving spiritual food from your heavenly Father, that food gives you the spiritual energy, the strength, the passion to keep moving forward, to be who you're created to be and to do what you're created to do. Jesus said, you might need something else, but this is what's brought me life. It's doing what my Father has sent me to do and to finish His work. We need to have a finishing mentality in the body of Christ because in the body of Christ it's no different than the world when things get hard most people want to quit most people want to throw in the towel but we have to have a finishing mentality Jesus said I have come to finish what you sent me to do John chapter 17 verse 4 Jesus said I've been put on this earth and father I've glorified you and I'm going to complete the work that you have sent me to do Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. You've got the DNA of Almighty God on the inside of you. Finish the vision that God has placed in your heart. Finish. It's easy to start something. But faith doesn't increase by starting something. Faith increases by finishing something. The beginning of the year, it's easy to start going to the gym. It's easy to start working out. It's easy to start changing your eating. But finish. Because if you become a finisher, then it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes the way you think. And faith increases every time you start something, you complete it, faith increases. Start something, finish it, faith increases. Start something, finish it, faith increases. Not start something. Jesus didn't say, I just come to start this. I come to finish. Finish. Finishing that relationship. Finishing your business. Finishing what God has told you to do. Finish. You're a finisher. Finish. Finish that gift, that dream, that desire. Finish. Don't you leave anything on the table. When you die, don't let the grave take every gift and dream you have. Finish what you're put on this earth to do. Well, bless God, it's hard. Shut that up. Finish. We've got to have a different mentality about us, church. We have a different spirit about us. So when problems come, just like Paul, oh, it's light. No big deal. It's going to pass. Well, why are you crying? I, I don't care. It might look like you're crying, and I am crying, but bless God, no problem, no big deal. I'm going to finish. How, how can you do that? Well, I don't, that just sounds so strange. Well, then stay where you're at. Stay depressed. Stay defeated. Stay broke. Stay addicted. Stay defeated. That isn't who God's created us to be. We have the spirit of faith. We have the DNA of God. We have the power of God. We have the love of God. We have a sound mind of God. And he says to maintain, to develop, to progress. He says you're going to need to protect what you see and what you hear and who you hang out with. Because you know, if you hang out with people that are negative all the time, and I understand it, you've got to figure this out yourself. Because there's times at lunchtime or if I'm out rodeoing or doing whatever, I've got to go to the trailer periodically throughout the day and rebuild myself back up. Because it's like your heart's like a little bag with holes in it that's full of water. And you might be full of the word and you come out, glory to God, I'm a winner, I'm an overcomer, I'm more than a conqueror. And you get around this person and it's like they're just dipping out of the bag there. And they say, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And well, mama did this and I lost my dog. And I'm up, 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 up. And it's like there's little holes in your bag and your heart's just depleted after that. And it's depleting your spirit of faith. And it's the, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And so you got to go back in. you got to rebuild, re, re-pour that back into your heart. So how do I develop and maintain the spirit of faith, my approach to problems? 
Am I staying focused on the vision? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says every one of us have a part and every one of us are very unique and very special to Almighty God. And he's saying do your part because when you do your part just like Jesus, he says this is what's going to satisfy me. This is what's going to bring me fulfillment. This is what's going to bring me joy. This is where I get my tenacity and my endurance because I'm doing what I'm created and called by Almighty God to do. And God has a purpose for every single one of us. Stay focused on the vision. Stay focused on the vision. Well, I, I don't know how to. You're, you're in the right place. Stay focused on God's vision first. And you set yourself up to start discovering the vision that he has for your life. Number three. And we're going to quickly move through this. Second Timothy chapter 4 again. So I'm glad I came. Second Timothy. I said four. Go to two. Chapter two. Start in verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, a good soldier, I was asking a military guy this a couple weeks ago. I said, when I say good soldier, what comes to your mind? He says, a good soldier automatically goes above and beyond what, is, what needs to be done. Are you a good soldier in the kingdom of God? A good soldier, in other words, you have the mentality, I'm going to kick tail and take names. A good soldier thinks I'm going to honor, I'm going to respect. As soon as my sergeant in chief says something, it's yes, sir. It's yes, sir. I'm going to do what I'm called and created to do. In the, in the middle of battle, I'm not going to run because things get hard. In the middle of battle, I'm not going to throw down my gun and jump in the hole. In the middle of battle, I'm not going to leave my men hanging out there by themselves. In the middle of battle, I'm going to either live or I'm going to die, but I'm not backing off. A good soldier has a different mentality. I've had people ask me, what, why do you keep going? Why do you keep doing what you're doing? I said, what is the devil going to do, kill me? He can't kill me. And the first time I said that, the Lord spoke up and he says, now that you're willing to die, now you're ready to live. You've got to have the mentality because, see, God can't fail. He cannot fail. And the devil cannot take you out before you have fulfilled your purpose if you stay focused, doing, knowing God and being you. That's why Paul said, it's light. Yeah, my ship busted up. Yeah, I was beaten. Yeah, they left me for dead. But they couldn't kill me because I had a purpose and an assignment to stand before King Agrippa and say what God told me to say. Then when he got done doing what God had called and created him to do, he said, now it's finished. It's finished. I've ran my race. So now I can go home. We need to adopt a different mentality. We have a different spirit about us. Right here he says, a good soldier. A good soldier. Verse, verse 4, it says, no one engaged in warfare or no one that is after their purpose, no one who is doing what God has called and created them to do, no one who is desiring to fulfill their destiny, no one who is desiring to develop and become, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. In other words, he's saying a good soldier doesn't get entangled because a good soldier knows he has an assignment. A good soldier knows that they have a purpose. A good soldier knows that I'm in the kingdom of Almighty God. And God is for me and God is with me. God is inside me. God has great things for me. And he says, don't get entangled, entangled with the affairs of life. In other words, they're not getting entangled. What, how, how does a person get entangled? A person, stay with me, a person gets entangled through hurt. An offense. A person gets entangled through always thinking on the problem. A person gets entangled if you're always thinking on what this person said and what that person said and what this problem and this circumstance. It entangles and a person that is entangled isn't free to pursue what God has called and created them to do. But a person that is not entangled, they're free to pursue what God has called and created them to do. A person that is not entangled is free to elevate their thinking. A person that is not entangled is free to keep progressing and going where God has called you to go and doing what God has called you to do. A good soldier does not get entangled. How do I maintain and develop the spirit of faith? My approach to problems. How do I maintain and develop the spirit of faith? By keeping focused on the vision that God has for me. How do I maintain and develop the spirit of faith? By not getting entangled... With the affairs of this life. In Mark chapter 4 verse 19. Jesus says it's the deceitfulness of riches. The lust of other things. The distractions of this age. Enter in and choke the word. 
and make the word of God of no effect. He says a good soldier doesn't allow the things of this world to entangle them. Number four, how do I maintain and develop the spirit of faith? And we're going to be done. Maintain your attitude of faith. Maintain your attitude. See, an attitude is an outward expression of an inward feeling. You've heard people say, well, that person has a good attitude or that person has a bad attitude or that person has a negative attitude. Man, their attitude stinks. Why? Because it's an outward expression of an inward feeling. And it's important for us to maintain the attitude of faith. So if I'm going to have an outward expression of an inward feeling, I've got to start thinking faith, believing faith, expecting faith, saying faith, doing faith, doing, what am I saying? Doing the word, thinking the word, believing the word, expecting the word, saying the word. Because your thinking affects your believing, your believing affects your expectation, your expectation affects your attitude. It affects your doing. So if I want to change my attitude, I've got to change my thinking. I'm reborn. I'm recreated. Now he says renew. Renew your mind. Take it back to the original because then you're going to have a new attitude. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23 in the Amplified, it says have a, a new attitude. Let this new attitude, let this new idea be in your life. How do I get a, a new attitude? By having a new thought, having a new idea. A new perspective, a new perception. See, God wants the spirit of faith. See, the spirit of faith is like the, the lenses, the glasses that God wants us to look through. That you put these on when you get up, you sleep with them on, you, you go to the bathroom with them on. That's just the way you look, it's the way you think, it's the way you act, it's the way you talk. We have the same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. Maintain the spirit of, uh, of faith, the attitude of faith. That you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can overcome. You can. See, God wants us to advance. But it's going to take the spirit of faith to do it. Spirit of faith. The components of the spirit of faith. The spirit of power. The spirit of love. The spirit of sound mind. How do I maintain that spirit of faith? By your approach to problems. Keeping focused on the vision. Not getting entangled with this hurt and this pain and this offense and this what this person said and this problem and this circumstances, this situation. Maintaining the attitude of faith. Attitude is a position. Like a, a football player or a lineman that gets down. They have an, an attitude. They're in a certain position that whenever they come off the ball or they're going to run a play or something, man, they can explode. They can ignite. Where does that explosion come from? Remember the power, the dynamite, the dynamo, the dunamis. That you're in a position... To explode whenever that circumstance or situation tries to stand in your way. See, a person of faith, they're not looking to climb over their mountain. They're going to speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed. A person of faith isn't willing just to go under the water. They're going to walk on the water. Well, nobody else doing that. You don't care. You do not care. I just don't understand how it works. Like Brother Hagin used to say, well, you don't understand how a brown cow eats green grass and produces white milk, but you still drink the milk. I just don't see how God, that's not your job to figure out how God's going to do it. Our job, our job is to stay in that position. Stay in that attitude because the spirit of faith is looking to win. The spirit of faith is looking to triumph. The spirit of faith is looking for victory. Ah, man, it doesn't look like it. it but the spirit of faith isn't moved by what they see or how they feel or what it looks like or what, what's going on here. They're moved by who they know and they're moved by what he has said. And it keeps them progressing. And it keeps them advancing. And it keeps them overcoming. And it keeps them conquering. And next thing you know, you look up and you're just, you're just progressing. You're, you're, you're going forward. And now you're free from this. And now you're free from that. And now you think different. And now you believe different. And now you speak different. And now your life's different. Why? Because you're advancing. Because now you're not just hearing about faith. Now you're living faith. There's something different about you. Your life is different. You're going somewhere and you're, you're, you're experiencing all that God has called and created you to experience. 